And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Final hour of the week here. Next week, we'll be in Los Angeles. Starting Tuesday on Radio Row for our Super Bowl coverage here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio brought to you by Modelo. About an hour away from starting the bucket of Modelo's. Reward yourself with the fighting spirit of Modelo's all the time, but especially heading into the weekend. Our conversation with the head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, coming up in a moment. Wanted everybody to hear that again heading into the weekend. Uh, Last night when I was on the radio, the story broke that I I was kind of surprised how quickly it came. Doug Peterson, head coach in Jacksonville. Uh, Not a shocker there at all, but a shocker to a lot of fans who thought Byron Leftwich would get that job. There's been a lot of chaos in Jacksonville as of late. Rich Passaccia interviewed for that job. Urban Meyer had that job and didn't have it for long. So it's been a dysfunctional franchise here. And they have the number one player in last year's draft in Trevor Lawrence. And they have to get that right. Peterson went 42-37-1 and made three playoff appearances in five seasons in Philadelphia. That's a damn good record. Let me repeat that again. 42-37-1. Five seasons, three were playoff seasons. And that was pretty good. If you look at that, and a Super Bowl. And beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl 41-33 in Super Bowl 52. And after that, he led the Eagles to two more playoff appearances. But what I've always said, and it's kind of like this with Raider Nation, it's hard. Fans are hard on you when you don't win. Well, this guy won a Super Bowl. And then after that, you know, he went 4-11-1 in 2020, and that was it. He benched Carson Wentz at halftime of the team's Week 13 loss to Green Bay for Jalen Hurts. You know, he was fired. Jalen Hurts came in the next season. So the whole thing about Carson Wentz is the reason why he lost his job. And remember, Carson Wentz was hurt in that Super Bowl, and Nick Foles came in with the Philly Special and ended up winning. But the key issue is with all the talk about African-American candidates, why didn't Byron Leftwich get the job? And a lot of people are saying it's because he didn't believe in the GM through the process, and the GM, Trent Balky, is a guy who rubs a lot of people the wrong way, especially Jim Harbaugh up in San Francisco. So with all of that happening... There was still a lot of chaos here. And look at listen to who the Jaguars interviewed. Nine other candidates. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel, who's never going to get the job. Tampa Bay defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Tampa Bay offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Green Bay offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. He's now the Broncos head coach. No offer there. Uh, the defensive coordinator of Indy, Matt Eberflus, who is now the head coach of the Bears, and then Jim Caldwell, former Indian Detroit head coach, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore of the Cowboys, and of course, Rich Passaccia. Oh, Bill O'Brien, former head coach of Houston and offensive coordinator of Alabama. Shad Khan brought everybody in for this interview, and he settled on Doug Peterson. So I'm not going to argue the pick because he won a Super Bowl and had a pretty good record. But a lot of the fans in Jacksonville are pretty irate about this. And they were last night, and I've been looking today. They just can't believe that Byron Leftwich didn't get this job. And for those who say, what has he done? Well, he's a legend in Jacksonville. He is. 
He worked with Tom Brady the last couple of years. And his past work in the league is highly regarded. Same with Eric Bieniemy. Same with Brian Flores, who we're going to get to coming up here with Olden Polonese. The NBA 15-year player wants to talk about this and texted me about that. So we'll get to that in a minute. So another head coaching hire as the Raiders, and I woke up today looking at all Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero, everyone else. Raiders are in the market for a defensive coordinator. No doubt about that. Mike Garofolo, the Giants had granted permission for Patrick Graham to talk to the Steelers during their head coaching search, so they granted permission for a chat with the Raiders. He could still stay back with the Giants, perhaps with a new contract. Within the last hour and a half, the Raiders are interviewing Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. That happens today for defensive coordinator. So with Gus Bradley moving on, everyone who's moving on, everybody else who's interviewing, Rich Passaccia who's been interviewing, and all the other coaches that are out there, this is a trying time. And Jim Harbaugh even went on an interview, and there's news on him today. He says he's not going to chase another NFL job again. I didn't think he was chasing. I was pretty shocked that he went to Minneapolis. I didn't think that'd be a good fit. Many people thought the fit would be in Las Vegas. That was a rumor. We never talked about it on this show because we knew it wasn't real. But a lot of people around the country, odds boards, Vegas odds, had Jim Harbaugh coming to Vegas, and the Raiders got Josh McDaniels. Here's my conversation earlier this week with the new head coach of the Silver and Black. And we are proud to welcome in the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels. Coach, a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Congratulations for you and your family on the move to Las Vegas. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be part of the program today. And uh, we are already feet on the ground. We're, we're ready to roll. We're excited to be here. I could tell from yesterday, a great day. I want to begin with the process, Coach, and how this came about. Every year your name comes up because of all the success you've had in New England as a coordinator. And why this time? Why was the timing right to come to Vegas with the Raiders? Well, I had mentioned yesterday that it, you know I, I had tried to be patient um, and now I've tried to learn from all the experiences uh, that I've had in my career and uh, kind of knew that, you know, I, I was, you know, gearing, gearing up for maybe one more opportunity if I was so fortunate to get one, um, you know, and, and what did that look like? What did that opportunity look like? And when, when I was given the opportunity to come here and, and meet Mr. Davis and see this organization and hear their vision of what they're looking for, um, it really fit with with what I was looking for, uh, which is just a commitment to excellence. You know, in every area, uh, they they're a first class organization. They do everything right, and the people that I've met since I've been here, I've been so impressed with everybody in this in this organization in every area. And um, they they have a team that you know you have an opportunity to win. This is a team that went to the playoffs. Um, you know, and they have an opportunity to build something special here. And uh, that's what really struck me and um, couldn't, be, couldn't be more honored to, to serve as the head coach of, of the Raiders. Coach, it's interesting you mentioned Denver and what you learned from that. And I wanted to follow up with your patience along the way because it's, it would seem like you'd want to jump on another opportunity to prove everybody that you either matured from that, you learned from that. How You mentioned how you deal with people and players differently. What was that like for you? You were having tremendous success in New England, but in the back of your mind, when to make this move again, what would you learn about your patience with your family along the way? Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, I really 
try to take it slow. And, um, you know, when I stepped back uh, after my first opportunity and really tried to digest, um, you know, what, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Uh, why did we fail? And I tried to really kind of systematically go through that and figure out how I could grow and what I needed to do different. And then I, then I tried to implement it and tried to put it into action uh, and really, you know, had a number of years here recently with New England, uh, with our offensive staff, with our offensive players, uh, to try to go ahead and put that into action and just gain confidence and who I was, what I believe in, and how I would do it the next time. And, um, you know, there's been opportunities uh, that I've, you know, either had an opportunity to interview for or, or what have you, and it just, you know, it never, never totally fit what I was looking for uh, until this weekend. And so um, I learned a lot over the course of this process, the last 10 or 12 years, uh, and I feel like I've really matured as a human being and and I'm ready to I'm ready for this challenge and I'm excited. Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels joins us. So coach, what about building a staff? There are a lot of good coaches here. You saw the job Rich Basaccia did as an interim head coach to help the team get to the playoffs. Mark Davis talked about the bumpy ride throughout last season. What are you encouraged about as you get on the phone, Dave Ziegler and yourself and build the staff and try to bring in the coaches you want? Yeah, it's a you know, this is a this is a destination that people are interested in, in, you know, in coming to, you know, and um, there's there's some really good coaches here on the staff. We're working through that uh, process now. Uh, they did a great job last year of of putting this team in position to be very competitive all the way through and into the postseason. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna try to take our time and make sure we do it right. We don't want to uh, rush it and you know and, and end up with you know a, a, a staff that we. Uh, you know, need to make a bunch of changes on. We want to try to make sure we take our time and do it right. Respectful of everybody here, certainly. And there's a lot of people out there that that uh, I'm sure are interested in in working for the Raiders. So we're we're uh, hard at work right now. We were hard at work early this morning, and we'll continue to do that. It'll be a process that'll be ongoing here for a little while. Coach, how much are you looking forward to the evaluation process before you got this job, along with Dave as GM? I said one of the tougher processes will be evaluating all the players whose contracts are coming up. You want to keep the best players, but then you want to have salary cap relief to go out and get better players to build the team and build on the 10 wins here. Everybody seemed to ask you yesterday about the quarterback, Derek Carr, and I'll ask you, what do you like about his game last year and getting to know him? I know you're in that evaluation process, but what are you looking at with this quarterback going forward? Yeah, Derek's been a very competitive quarterback his entire career. He's won a lot of games, uh, certainly played at a high level last year. Um, you know, he, he's put this team in position, uh, you know, towards the end of the season multiple times. And, um, you know, having the opportunity to, to meet him the other day on the phone and get a uh, just get a handle on the kind of person he is. You can just tell how genuine he is about his faith, his family, uh, and how much he loves the game. And so uh, this was an exciting opportunity uh, for me as, as more of an offensive coach to have an opportunity to come and, and, and you know, be paired with a, a veteran quarterback like Derek who has had a lot of pelts on the wall. And uh, I just hope I can, you know, get in here, evaluate the things that he does well, and then try to figure out and identify some of the things that we might be able to improve on 
collectively together as an offensive unit to take this group to a to another level. Wrapping it up with Josh McDaniels from your years in the AFC East, Coach. You had a stint with Denver in the West. The West has exploded now with the talent that we see in Kansas City, that classic game with Buffalo. They just lost to Cincinnati. You know Denver and especially what the Chargers are doing in L.A. Tell me about your excitement for the fight in this division in the AFC West to win it. Yeah, you, you, you don't have to look very far to to find great competition. Um, and, you know, the our attitude's going to be, hey, look, we're, we're going to bring it every week, and we're, we're not going to shy away from any challenge. Uh, we're excited to have the opportunity to compete against the best. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Our program is going to be uh, built on competition, and, um, you know, we know we have some people that uh, are in our division, are in our conference that uh, certainly have been very competitive to try to reach, uh, you know, the, the final game of the season, and Cincinnati certainly earned that right the other day. So uh, we got a lot of work cut out for us. We're excited to uh, begin the evaluation phase, continue putting together our staff, and then ultimately build our roster and then uh, get our players back here in a few months and really uh, hit the ground running. So um, looking forward to the challenge, no question about it. Coach, finally, I get you on a big day, the day Tom Brady formally announces his retirement. I can't imagine the emotions that you're going through with the relationship you had with Tom Brady all those great victories and wins. What's going through your mind on that announcement today? Yeah, just tremendous gratitude. Um, you know, I spoke with Tom last night, and, um, you know, he's at peace uh, with his decision. Um, and what a, what a tremendous, tremendous career. Um, and I told him last night there will never be another, another you, and uh, I really believe that. You know, he's, he's a genuine uh, person. He's an incredible human being. And obviously, he's he's a great, great football player, and and he'll always be, uh, you know, in my opinion, the the best that's ever done it at that position. So, um, just we should all be grateful uh, that we had an opportunity to be around Tom, to to coach him, to learn from him, to win with him, uh, and to watch him and enjoy all the things he gave us uh, for his entire duration of the 22 years that he played. So. Uh, I think it's a great day for the National Football League to celebrate him and what he's meant to, to our game. And, Coach, last one, we all don't live in casinos. My wife went through it, your wife, your kids. I was excited you talked about your family. People around the country think we all live on the Strip. It's a vibrant community. The Raider Nation is now here. It's a global fan base. This will be my last question. What are you excited about for your family here in southern Nevada and what you can explore going forward with your family and their growth? Yeah, this is really uh, a great opportunity for us. You know, we've been on the East Coast for for many, many years, and um, you know, my wife and I have actually traveled out here a number of times, and uh, been in Las Vegas, and and uh, we're eager to get them out here, get them acclimated. Uh, my kids are enamored. My younger kids are enamored with the the time change and and the you know the the climate itself. So. Um, no, I, I couldn't be more excited personally. Uh, the people that we've met, the the people that have talked about living here, uh, have said so many th- so many great things about it. Uh, we're eager to get out here and and really get in ingrained into the culture and be a big part of this city. Coach, I'll see you in the building. Welcome to the Raider Nation. Thank you so much. You got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. So I hope you enjoyed that. We had a limited amount of time with him, and we look forward to talking to him throughout the whole process of the off season from the combine to the draft and what's going to happen to the Raiders in free agency. This was a big week in Raider Nation, introducing the GM, Dave Ziegler, the head coach, Josh McDaniels. And then there was a lot of work to be done this week, and it sounds like everything. 
working really hard is the Pro Bowls here in town, Max Crosby, Denzel Perryman, A.J. Cole, Hunter Renfro added in. Great to see all the video yesterday of him out at the Las Vegas ballpark as the guys worked out. That's fantastic. That's all up at Raiders.com. Q is out there, so you can see this at LV Sports Network, and I'm sure he's talking about it there. So this is a big week. Next week, it'll even be bigger because we're building up to the Super Bowl, Cincinnati versus the Rams. I'm uniquely interested to see what goes on in L.A. How many Ram fans jump on the bandwagon? How many Cincinnati fans are going to come out and have a good time? And I don't know many people who can afford these tickets, but if you get the opportunity to go, it should be outstanding. The Pepsi Halftime Show with Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, that's going to be great. And then Joe Burrow has been in all these big games as an underdog, and I'd like him to win. I'd like to see him win. It's a great story. We'll talk about the gaming aspects of it next week, the total and all the prop bets when Jeff Sherman comes on, Bill Krakenberger. We're going to talk to a couple of extra handicappers next week in L.A., so if you're betting the Super Bowl, hopefully you get good information from us. We continue on. Coming up next, 15-year NFL, excuse me, 15-year NBA veteran Olden Polonies. Always my favorite guest. He's on my Mount Rushmore over the last few years. He always brings it. We were supposed to talk basketball, but he wants to talk football and what's happening with the hiring process and the Rooney rule. This should be interesting. He joins us next. JT, Raider Nation Radio. Have a great Friday. So last week, I interviewed for the Giants position. I was set to interview on Thursday, the, the Monday prior. Uh, before, before I interviewed, I received a text message uh, from Bill Belichick saying congratulations on the Giants, Basically, essentially congratulations on the Giants job. There was a little bit of back and forth. I have not sat down with the Giants. There was some back and forth, and I, I just uh, asked him, Is this, are you you're talking to the right Brian? As you, you've seen through the text messages, he was actually thought he was texting Brian Dayball. JT, thanks for coming back on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Remy Martin. And coming up a week from Sunday, February 13th, the Botanist Gin will be revealing its first big game TV campaign in partnership with all the independent restaurant coalitions, showing support for restaurants and bars struggling during the pandemic. So when you're planning your big game party and trying to figure out what to serve your guests, don't forget my favorite gin, the Botanist Gin. Kick off the game with a Botanist Bloody Mary. Huddle up at halftime with a Botanist Gin and Tonic and celebrate post-game with a Botanist Gin Mule, which is fantastic. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Okay, we got him. Olden Polonies, 15-year NBA vet, a man who has done a lot in his life and has spoke out for civil rights, human rights, and very important friend of mine. He's kind enough to join us. And Olden, I know you wanted to talk about this. Brian Flores gets fired by Miami. Allegedly, Stephen Ross, the owner, asked him to tank games. Then we find out he went on a sham interview with the New York Giants where they already had a head coach candidate but brought him in. So there's a lot happening with Brian Flores. I know you want to talk about it. What do you think of this? Brian Flores, oh, my God, that's my new hero. That is my new hero. And it's not for any other reason other than the fact that he has taken the stance He's going to take a hit for so many people, past, present, and future. and Well, hopefully not the future, but definitely past and present. 
And, you know, he's out there on a limb, and I'm hoping that other people can join him. You know, I saw Hugh Jackson come on saying that he went through something similar. And it's been going on for a long time. The NFL can say it's without merit all they want. I know that's legalese, that they got to speak and all that. But we all know there's been issues with this stuff. The Rooney Rule is not working the way it's supposed to be. and It never has been. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, we interviewed two guys, but we already knew who we were going to hire as a coach. And to me, that's what's upsetting more than anything else. And, again, I've never been one to, you know, that whole affirmative action, I'm not down with affirmative action because I think people should get the job based on their merits, you know, what you bring to the table, not because of the color of your skin. I don't care what color it is. But at the same time, you know, to quote, I, I think I posted, to quote the great John Thompson, you know, the black coaches all over, whatever sport, we just want an opportunity to fail just like the white coaches. You know, that's it. We don't want to be perfect. So I think that's where it's at. Give us the same opportunity. Do blind blind resumes, you know, and then when you bring them in, see who belongs to the resume. And then, you know, at least that will, I, to me, that could be a lot more fair than what they've been doing. But, yeah, I definitely support Brian Flores. And, you know, just, you know, one more thing. I've seen this in the basketball, in basketball as well whether it was a coach or player, you know, where teams, they'll do certain things. They'll tank. You know, we've heard the word wording in the past. You know, you're tanking. So how are you putting a good product if you're losing on purpose? So I hope Stephen Ross and the rest of the NFL is thinking that, you know, this man is lying about that because we've seen it. You know, we want a position for a better draft pick. So I'm I'm definitely pro-Brian Flores. Olden Polonese is our guest for years We've been talking about racial inequity, you and I, on the radio. And I'm asking you, how could he win this? If the owner of the Dolphin denies everything and the Giants said, no, we did it the right way. And then he calls out John Elway for being disheveled. Now Flores has lawyered up. You've talked at length with pioneers in sports, African-American pioneers. He's all in, Olden. If he doesn't win... What is everybody going to say? What's going to happen to the cause? He can have a statue 20 years from now if he wins and he changes the sport, but what happens if he doesn't have enough evidence to fight this battle? It's, okay, well, it's kind of like Brian, um, Colin Kaepernick. You know, Colin Kaepernick went out on a limb. He did his thing, took the knee, and then everybody ridiculed him. He was kicked out of football, basically blackball. And all of a sudden, NFL started posting, you know, end racism on the goal posts, on the goal line, in the end zones, and everything else. Now, all of a sudden, they, you know, they're concerned. So it's gonna probably going to be a lot like that. But one thing they can't say is that this man is lying. Because we know too many instances of this stuff going on. And I believe the more that's why it was so important for Hugh Jackson to step up. And the rest of these guys need to step up. Mike Tomlin, you know, is a friend of mine, and I love him dearly. He's going to have to step up because he's, you know, he's securing his job. He's been that way for several, several years, even though he's had winning records. And so, and he's won championships, so he deserves it. But he's going to have to step up. The white coaches are going to have to step up, you know. I don't know what's going on with Eric Bieniemy, but it's like, how is this man not a head coach? You know, and somebody posted the other day, well, he might be, you know, a coach in waiting in Kansas City. Well, guess what? He can still get offered and get interview jobs 
you know, until he gets that one. So, so to me, I understand what you're saying that, you know, he may lose because, you know, this is a mammoth he's going up against. This, the NFL is a colossal beast. But at the same time, you know, like they said, you know, we have receipts. So I can't wait to see the receipts. I, I already have my popcorn ready. <laughs> Olden Polonese is our guest. Olden, I love what you just said. You just said African-American leaders and coaches need to step up. But elaborate on what you said about white coaches needing to step up if they have information like this, if they've seen something, and they can help the cause. Oh, definitely, because, you know, what Brian Fuzz was talking about, about tanking, it doesn't happen with just black coaches. It happens to a lot of young white coaches as well. You know, owners want, you know, they want better draft picks. You know, we want the number one pick so we can make a splash and, you know, give the fans, you know, hey, a positive outlook for our future. It's that whole thing. You know, I tell people all the time, y'all need, you know, they need to watch draft day. Draft day really touched on a lot of that stuff on how it works within the, you know, the NFL. And so at the same time, you know, I've always said this. There's only a few teams that can win a championship. (laughs) You know, and I think it's really limited in basketball more so than football. But at the same time, there's only a few that legitimately has a chance of making, you know, of winning a championship. The rest is selling their fans a bill of goods. And so to me, the white coaches are the one that's going to have to step up. We're not saying that you got to be our savior. But you are, you're going to have to really just be honest and be man about it and say, hey, we do have a problem. We're 70% African-American, yet only one black coach. You know, I don't know the African-American plight. I don't know what these guys go through, you know. And so why wouldn't you have more head coaches, more black head coaches, again, if they're, if they're ready and if they qualify, at least give them a shot. Yes, they don't look like you. They don't look like all the members at your country club. I get that. But at the same time, you know, we're not dummies as a people. You know, they can try and claim that all they want. We're not. We're very intelligent people. And so at the same time, that's all we want. We just want the opportunity. You know, like I said before, we want the opportunity to fail just like you give everybody else. Olden Polonese is our guest. Olden, as you were part of a a hunger strike, as you have gone to the highest level to get your point across and help others, you have had conversations privately with leaders, politicians about racial inequity. When you see something as a 15-year NBA player, something happening in another sport, how does it get you going? Because most people think you talk about basketball, you talk about politics, you talk about everything. And when this story hit a couple of days ago, it seems like it really resonated with you. It did resonate with me because, again, we're not just one thing. We're not just coaches or players. We're not dummies, like I said. You know, perfect example is a Shrek, you know. I don't mean to make light of this, but it, I think I can get my point across with this. You know, I'm like an onion. <laughs> layers. That's what we are. We're like onions. We have layers. All of us. So don't limit us to one thing. You know, like you said, I've done the hunger strike. Yes. Yeah, so when I saw this, I was hoping I was still active so I can go on another one. 
because right now I don't have that following and all that social media thing to where I can, you know, honestly make a difference. You know, I wish I did because I would definitely be right there with Brian Flores. Again, I stand with him. I stand with everybody, not just Brian Flores. Whoever it is that's getting, you know, the sh- you know, getting bamboozled and led astray. That's I'm with. I'm always for human rights, and this is something. You know, this is about rights. It's about you know people having the opportunity. You can't keep limiting us because of the color of our skin. That is so absurd. And so for, for me, at some point in time, this thing has to change. It really has. You know, it's, we're, we're in a monumental moment right now. And it's like, okay, are we going to, you know, stay status quo? Or are we going to make the real changes? Not that fake Rooney rule change. I mean, legitimate changes that's going to benefit everybody. Olden Polonis, as we wrap it up. You know, Olden, you mean so much to me because we, we spent a lot of time talking about the summer of George Floyd. And what happened, and then all of a sudden on football helmets it says, you know, stop racism, it's in the end zone. There's a whole bunch of issues, and I think all people are good people. I think NFL owners are good people. I think the commissioner, they're good people. They want to do good. They wake up every morning. They don't want to hold people back. They want to do a good job. So I think about the good in all people. But then I see this story with Brian Flores and now all of us has, have to be judgmental. We all have to take a side, and we have to back lawyers, and we have to say, I'm no. with Stephen Ross or not. How do we handle this? How do we all That's look at this objectively? Point. We don't have to take a side. There's only one side, and that's right. That's the only side. I want to be on the right side of history, not on the wrong side of it, because at the end of the day, you're right. These owners can do what the hell they want to do. You know, at the end of the day, they can hire whoever they want to hire. But the point is, don't dismiss someone because of the color of their skin. You got to remember, all these owners, they didn't buy the football team to make money. They already had money. This is like a toy for them. This is, you know, hey, I can I can floss, as the young kids say. You know, I have enough money to buy a $2 billion football team, or as the Denver Broncos are about to be, probably $3, 4000000000 billion, okay? So I have that kind of money to go spend. And so to me, they can do what they want, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, do you want to be on the right side of this or do you want to be on the wrong side of it? So last one, when the owners of the Giants say, we hired Brian Dayball and that was our choice, but we didn't make that choice until we uh, interviewed Brian Flores. And Brian Flores goes on CBS and goes, no, Belichick sent me text messages proving that we went in there knowing we couldn't get the job. It becomes lawyers fighting for this really important moment in the history of the NFL, and everybody's going to lawyer up. And whoever has the better lawyer or tells the better story is going to win. And I think Brian Flores is on to something because I want to be on the right side of it too. We've known each other a while. I just think this is going to get held up with attorneys, the NFL attorneys, and everybody's just going to lawyer up and try to outspend each other and try to knock each other down. I think it could get really ugly here, Olden. Well, you're right. They are going to lawyer up. And, you know, the NFL has a track record of not losing lawsuits. So I get that. But at the end of the day, you know, where it's going to be judged, like when athletes do bad things, it's going to be, you know, the court of public opinion. And I don't think any of these people want to go through that. 
So at the end of the day, they're going to have to figure something out. Is Brian Flores, you know, telling the truth? I believe he is. You know, does he deserve another chance to coach in the NFL? I believe he does because the man had two winning seasons. And so you, he gets fired. So to me, you know, we're not going to change this overnight. But at the same time, I do believe a change definitely has to come. And so whether it's, you know, again, what are they going to do with Stephen Ross if they do find out that, you know, he offered $100,000 for Take the team loss. away. Take the team away. He loses the team. If there's any proof that he did this, Stephen Ross has to And that's more league. detrimental to him than anything else. Same way the NBA did with Donald Sterling. You know, whether you believed it or not believe, whether you're on his side or that side, they what they did, they took his team away. And to me, that hurt him more than anything else. He didn't care about the $2 billion he made. He wanted to own the team. You know, that's what it's about. They want that. They want to own it. They want to, you know, be like, yeah, this is mine. And so to me, again, public opinion is going to weigh a big part in this. Thank you, Olden. Great commentary. Thanks for getting us off your trip. Really appreciate your time. Anytime. Appreciate Olden coming on here. A lot of passion there. A lot of interesting commentary from Olden Polonese. We appreciate what he thinks. And again, I can go back and forth with him. We could have a really big conversation. He is pissed off. He's upset and he speaks for a lot of people, especially a lot of African-American athletes who are upset all week long, similar to what happened to Colin Kaepernick. Same thing now, what's going on with Brian Flores. We'll see how this plays out over the weekend, what the topic develops into next week as the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Brought to you by BillsHappen.com. If you need cash, anytime. They can get you $5,000 by tomorrow. They're Raider fans. They're there for you. Go to BillsHappen.com. Wrapping it up on a Friday on the flagship. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. The Rooney Rule is in, intended to give minorities an opportunity to sit down in front of uh, ownership, but I think what it's turned into is an instance where guys are just checking the box, and that's been the case. I've been on some interviews in the past that um, where that's I've had that feeling. There's you know, always no way to, to to know for sure, but but you know. JT, thanks for listening all week. I appreciate everybody. Great weekend here. A lot happening. We have the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl. I'll be at the Pro Bowl going with a couple of friends. Can't wait to see what Allegiant Stadium looks like for the Pro Bowl. All week long, we've been saying bring kids, bring people. Uh, East-West Shrine Game last night into the festivities for hockey, the All-Star Game. I want to see what's going on at the Bellagio Lake. That looks really cool. Bobby and I were talking about that, how they're going to incorporate the skills challenge outside. It's kind of cold for hockey. That'll be great. And then the Pro Bowl, I'm not expecting much for the game, but I'm excited to see the Raiders who are going to be out there. If you're going to the Pro Bowl, as I always say, meet me at the Torch, where we host a pregame show throughout the year, and we'll be up there having a couple of Modellos and getting ready for that game. And then next week, live from Radio Row, the L.A. Convention Center. A lot of us are going to be there. Q, I believe, Vinny Bonsignor, and we'll give you that coverage, all that Raider coverage and Super Bowl coverage next week. I wanted to wrap up the show talking about Daniel Snyder. They named the team the Commanders this week. 
But Daniel Snyder now has the say in whether the findings of this investigation are going to be released. Why would he ever release the findings of this investigation? So today, Tisha Thompson wrote at ESPN, the NFL may not be able to publicly release the findings of its internal investigation of the Washington Commanders without the permission of owner Daniel Snyder, according to a document released early this morning by the Congressional Committee investigating the NFL. The House Committee for Oversight and Reform also released a second document today that shows how the team requested a written investigation from Beth Wilkerson's law firm when she was hired to conduct that internal investigation. I think this is a massive story for Roger Goodell at the press conference next week at the Super Bowl. He's going to have to comment on this. He previously said that the league cannot release this internal investigation because Wilkinson presented her findings orally. So this is shady as hell. And the document release dump, it's a document dump on a Friday, heading into the weekend, was provided by the NFL as part of the league's response to the congressional investigation into what the committee calls decades-long toxic work environment under Daniel Snyder. And this ties in right into the John Gruden email release and what happened there. So I want you to hear this sound from earlier today, and I think it's an important soundbite. It's about a little over a minute, minute 20 or 30. Listen to this. This comes out of the investigation. How many times were you sexually harassed when you were working at the Washington Redskins Command, whatever they're called now? Too many to count. I was there 14 years, and it's too many to count. Is it more than 100? It's more than 100. More than 200? If I had to guess, yes. These comments, these sexual objectification comments, these uncomfortable situations, I was arm candy at events with all the male executives. Like, it was a very constant thing. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. At least 50 to 100. And and it, it wasn't even just the comments, it was the situations of being tossed in the air with a skirt on and me having to convince myself, keep your legs closed to avoid an uncomfortable situation in front of the potential client. All right. Uh, Ms. Flores? Over 100. Ms. Applegate? I worked there for a year and a half, so mathematically that would be roughly 515 times because it happened on a daily basis, and that was a a seven-day-a-week job. All right. Singleton? I echo what Emily said. It happened every single day that you were on site. It didn't matter where you were. It was a pervasive culture that happened, and I worked there for eight years, so multiply that 500 times by eight. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you. This was a predatory environment. I don't believe it's just going on at the Washington Commanders. This is a message to send to every football team in this country. And the criminal conduct that appears to have gone on at the Washington Commanders needs to be fully investigated. Incredible. What a soundbite. That was from the Washington Commanders Sexual Harassment Roundtable. How about that? Incredible what those young women went through and what they said in front of Congress. So that's a big story, and I'm, I'm bringing it up because it's a newsworthy item today, and I wanted you to hear that. And that was just, that went right through me. That soundbite's pretty intense. So we'll see what happens next, but this is something that the league is going to have to address coming up here. And Congress initiated its investigation of the team in October, demanding the NFL release the Wilkinson report, as well as other documents relating to the investigation. And this ties into the league and obviously what we've been talking about in the past with the Gruden emails connected through 
the Washington football team, but this was about the sexual harassment roundtable there. So Daniel Snyder's not going to agree to anything because after hearing that soundbite, it's pretty clear that most people don't believe he should own a football team anymore. And we have the situation that's going on with Stephen Ross in Miami with Brian Flores, which we talked about all week long. So I want to get back to football, but I think you needed to hear that as we continue on here. Uh, Wrapping it up here, I want to play some sound from Joe Burrow's press conference, which is really interesting how he's handling all of this, and it'll be great to hear what he does next week as he's in L.A. for the Super Bowl as they're not there yet. Here's a young man that took a two-win team from two years ago to the Super Bowl with all of this pressure on him throughout the playoffs, and I think he's knocked it out of the park. He's been outstanding handling all of this. Uh, Here's Joe Burrow on the dip early in the season and the run they've been on wasn't really able to do any of that the first half and you know I've really started to, to come into my own in that in that sense making plays extending plays that's something I've always been able to do and you know I'm starting to finally feel like myself yeah he's really coming together isn't he? he's a fun player to watch and remember he had that brutal knee injury and he's still very young in his career and it doesn't look like he's been injured at all it's just fantastic, and his performance late in the season, I mean, I don't think it's an MVP caliber season. That's Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but he got into the conversation. I've always played well in these kind of moments, and I think it's just because, you know, I feel like I get better as the year progresses just because you have more reps, more film under your belt. Corrected all the mistakes that you've made and throughout the entire year, and I'm, I'm good at recalling that kind of stuff. Now, I went on my show last night. I went through the uh, Bengals' schedule. I won't do, we don't have enough time for me to go through everything. But I just wanted to remind everybody about what this Bengals team did this year because there are high expectations on the Raiders coming off 10 wins. They lost to the Bengals twice. So as everybody sets goals and what this team needs to do under new guidance in football with the GM and the head coach, they can do it. They won 10 games. Bravo to the Raiders for the way they finished last season. It was fantastic to be a part of that and to see that down the stretch, that final month. But remember, this uh, this, uh, Cincinnati team, listen to who they lost to. These are just the losses they had. They lost to Chicago. Raiders lost to Chicago. They lost to Green Bay in overtime at home. But they lost back-to-back games. Halloween, they lost at the Jets. The Jets, 34-31. And then the following week, they lost at home to Cleveland they got blown out 41 to 16 so those back-to-back weeks heading into their bye week in week 10 the season was almost over for them they had four losses going into their bye week and back-to-back losses that were really ugly Jetson humiliated by Cleveland then they had the bye week and who did they play the Raiders they came off their bye week they played the Raiders won 32 to 13 Mixon had 123 yards in that game Burrow only threw for 148 in front of all of us who were at Allegiant Stadium. He didn't have a monster game. So that got their season going again. Then they beat Pittsburgh. They had back-to-back wins. But then they lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to the Chargers 41 to 22, and they lost to San Francisco in overtime 26 to 23. So in a six-game stretch, the team playing in the Super Bowl lost four out of six games. And I don't, I don't remember taking a call from anybody thinking Cincinnati was going to either make the playoffs. You've got Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland there. Then COVID hit Cleveland. We are, we're aware of that. Raiders beat Cleveland in a big game. But Cincinnati, for Cincinnati to lose four of six games, starting on 
Let me double check here. Four, yeah, four or six games starting on Halloween, ending on December 12th. And then they went on that winning streak at Denver, Baltimore at home, and the Kansas City win that propelled them into the playoffs, 34-31. to So my point is, this is a team that found their mojo late in the season, a very young team, and they were able to pull it off. That's why I want this team to do something great in the Super Bowl. Not that I have a dog in this fight. Bengals, I like the AFC. And the Rams, I don't have a problem with the Rams. And I want you to hear this as we wrap up the show. Here's the Rams, Kevin Demoff, their COO. Listen to this on what they're trying to do now in gaining new fans in Los Angeles on the Super Bowl run. When you get a chance to play in a Super Bowl, that always helps wins hearts and minds. When you get a chance to host a Super Bowl, that obviously helps elevate your brand. When you combine those two, it's an unbelievably powerful mix to develop that next generation of fandom. Yeah, he's right. And this is what the Chargers, I talked about this too. This is what the Chargers want. With Justin Herbert, it's their whole plan. If the Chargers start winning playoff games, they believe they're going to build that fan base up very quickly for the bandwagon fans. Not real fans, not Charger fans. They need bandwagon fans to just survive in Los Angeles. More from Demoff as he talked about the Rams and the opportunity in front of them. There's so many fans who grew up from 1995 to 2016 without a team to root for. Now that we are back in Los Angeles, that is not the case. But there are so many parents and people who moved here in that time frame who root for other teams, as they should. It's not about flipping someone who's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan who grew up in Pittsburgh and moved to Los Angeles and become a Rams fan. That's great if it happens, but that may not be realistic. What it's about is their kids who are 8, 9, 10 years old growing up wearing Cooper Cup jerseys. That's a great soundbite. That's exactly what the Raiders are doing and what everybody's trying to do here in Vegas. You know, you got a lot of fans from all over the country who live there. You got to get their kids. I love that soundbite to wrap up the week because it really works well with what we're doing here in Vegas. You know, the bandwagon fans are not joining the Raiders. You're not going to get Denver and Kansas City fans and Charger fans. And there's plenty of them, and there's a number of them here. They're not going to flip over. But what about their kids? When they're wearing a Hunter Renfro jersey, Derek Carr jersey, Mad Max jersey. These kids have their own mind. Eight, nine, ten years old. They don't have to support mom's team. They could support the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's why a playoff run and a Super Bowl run is really important. Appreciate everybody listening this week, especially all of our great partners. Always love the fact that we got great partners here who support us. And we're going to deliver for them as we're at the Super Bowl. And before he comes on... I want to thank Q. Q's done an amazing job. What a job Q has done as our program director, not only a radio host, to set up the Super Bowl for us in Los Angeles. Takes a lot of work. This guy grinds every day when he's off the air helping us all out here and helping our partners and helping everybody in the building. And we're going to be working together. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my 23rd radio row in 25 or 6 years on the radio And I'm interested to work with this team, get out to Los Angeles, break some bread, have some Modelos late at night, and have a good time in Los Angeles where I lived in L.A. for 10 years in the Valley, going back and going to see a lot of friends and some good people I haven't seen in a while. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate everybody listening this week. We'll be here on Monday. Tuesday, I hit the road. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, we'll get you excited from Radio Row. And some of the guests we have are incredible already lined up, already in the grid. Oh, and Cliff Branch. How could I forget? How could I forget? I've asked everybody to hashtag Cliff Branch. 
And then hopefully on Thursday night, we're going to start hashtagging Cliff Branch HOF for the Hall of Fame. That's one of the main reasons we're out in L.A. next week. And hopefully the owner, Mark Davis, can celebrate his best friend. Mark's best friend was Cliff Branch. And Cliff Branch is of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. They will announce that Thursday night at NFL Honors. So we're really excited about that opportunity and wait to hear the coverage when the good news hopefully happens for Cliff Branch and what we do on Friday. So that's being lined up in advance. Have a great great weekend, everybody. Thanks to Bobby. Bobby did a lot of work this week, and he's even going to be busier next week. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listening. Have fun at the NHL All-Star Game, and I hope to see you at the Pro Bowl on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.